It's a Tuesday. You ready for 61 degrees today? That's what they're saying. It's going to be kind of an early, early spring day. They think about it. Today is Tuesday. Last Thursday, most of us were sitting at home with uh, about an inch, an inch and a half of uh, what I like to call snow cone ice on the roads. Right. And uh, keeping us from going anywhere. Hey, today, in 1943... The United States launched their first Pacific offensive against the Japanese Empire at Guadalcanal. Uh, if you've never read your history about Guadalcanal, you should. It was some of the most vicious fighting of uh, World War II. It was amazing in the Solomon Islands. Uh, over 1,600 American uh, fighting men uh, lost their lives there. 4,000 were wounded. Uh, several other thousand died uh, from disease there, malaria and some other diseases, dengue fever. Uh, and uh, check this out. The Japanese lost 24,000 troops wow. on Guadalcanal. And uh, probably the, the most uh, famous story that came out of those battles were about uh, brothers on the USS uh, Juno, by the name of the Sullivan Brothers. You know that story, right, uh, Elizabeth? No. Oh, okay. I don't. It was all. It was <laughs> all. The, it was all the males of one family <laughs> serving on this one ship, hmm. and a Japanese. No, I just didn't recognize the name. Yeah, yes, a Japanese torpedo sunk the ship and killed all of those all uh, young men. And that's why, and that is the premise, when you watch it, of Saving Private Ryan. Remember, they're going, oh. to, they're, they're going to save Private Ryan. Right. They're mm. in the European theater because he was the last surviving member of his family. He had, I think he had two brothers, and they both had been killed in combat. Uh, with As much as the military can try to keep it from happening, they will... They will work hard at not allowing all the males of a family to be killed in uh, in a war, so that that family name isn't carried on. They want to, to be able to. They think you've you've paid enough if uh, yes. you know you lose everybody but one male. So they uh, that that's that's the rule. That's what what Saving Private Ryan was all about. Wow! So I didn't know. I knew about the family. Yeah, but I didn't know the name. Yeah, there's a the there's either. a movie that's out if you want to if you want to see it. Old movie TCM shows it ever so often, like during Memorial Day and things that it's called the Fighting Sullivans. Oh, uh, now I have oh, yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it. That's what yeah. it's all about. Okay, about that family and uh, and the loss the loss of their uh, uh, family members. Okay, somebody likes history. Who's calling in? Is that somebody? Gonna, is that Willie? Okay, Willie, how you doing? You knew about the the fighting Sullivans? Yeah, they named USS Sullivans after them. Yeah, they were all on the USS Juno. They died on a ship right off the Solomons. That's where they where they perished. And that did, that, you, did that, you know the Navy named the ship after them? 
I did not know they named the ship after what a battleship. I think they did. I think they did, Dave. Okay, because battleships were big back then. All right, yeah. aircraft carriers were still coming into their own basically uh, after the Coral Sea and some of the other battles that happened midway, uh, because you know because of uh, the uh, the ability to use air power and project it further from uh, the land and stuff. They became the ship to use and still are today. Uh, battleships were the ships out on the sea that everybody was afraid are afraid of. Remember the Bismarck, the German Bismarck, battleship. Yes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, all all of that. I mean, I love I love history, and I'm a big World War II history buff. I like I've always said on the air. I was I was uh, into the European theater for years because my dad served a patent. Then when I went into the Air Force, I was I was uh, I served over. Uh, in the Marshall Islands and stuff, I was on Guam, so yeah. I got into the whole you know uh, island hopping campaign that happened during World War II. I've I've been to all of those islands, Iwo Jima and Saipan and all yeah. of them, and uh, the, it's amazing. Remember the, remember the Bataan Death March? Oh yeah, that was the beginning of World War II there, and of course the Philippines. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's the kind of stuff. That's when that's when MacArthur said, "I will be back. I will return," and he did. Also, also Iwo Jima, Dave. What now? Iwo Jima. Yeah, I was there. Now, I- Iwo was interesting because Mount Subiachi, which is the mountain, the, vo- the extinct volcano that's on one end of the island, we fought for that island because it had an airstrip already built by the Japanese, and it allowed us to make a round trip to bomb the Japanese mainland uh, from there. We didn't have that, that, that ability to get a, a, a plane all the way and then all the way back to some of the other islands. So we took that, uh, that but that was some brutal fighting. Oh, my God. It was brutal well, fighting. What about Saipan? All of them. All of that, that chain, the, 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 the Marsh chain, that was, that was brutal. I mean, the Japanese had two and three years to dig in. Uh, before we ever got there, I mean, uh, there's didn't they, didn't they hold up in caves? We use uh, what do you call it? Stuff that shoots out fire, oh. flamethrowers. Yeah, you had to use flamethrowers. You had to. It's kind of you know we didn't run into that again until Vietnam uh, when we had to go into the tunnels to to get the Vietnamese out. Uh, guys Little would, rats. you know, guys guys would literally crawl into those tunnels with uh, twelve gauge shotguns and start clearing them out. Just imagine facing off with a flamethrower. Yeah. I mean, and, you know. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people think it burns you alive, and that, and it did on some people. But the real thing that it did is it sucked all the oxygen out of the cave. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you suff- yeah. you suffocated. Yeah, you smothered. Yeah. What a horrible death. Yeah. yeah well. I mean, all thousands of, you know. of Japanese died because of uh, the code that they lived by, lived by. Right. You know, better to give up your life for the emperor. Than to live, it was you. You were, of course. Uh, hey, Dave. Yeah. Several. Uh, I don't know how many years after World War Two, a few times they found a Japanese soldier on one of those islands. When when I went to Guam, the year before I got there, was the year that they found the Japanese soldier from World War Two. That had been living by dumpster diving on the Air Force Base on Anderson. 
what <laughs> yeah and he lived in a little spidey hole you know he just dug a he had a like a hole in the ground that he lived and he lived in that hole through the you know the end of the 40s the 50s the 60s and the wow. 70s and when he went back to japan the emperor met him at the airport took his knee with a samurai sword in his hands to give it to this guy you know, they, they treated him with the utmost respect because wow. of what he had done. And, uh, yeah, they find, they caught him. The MPs caught him, or the SPs. They, they caught him there on the Air Force Base in a dumpster. Wow. Wow. It's an amazing story in and of itself. Take a book. I think he wrote a book, if I'm not mistaken, about how he did it. It's just incredible, really, how he did it. You know, it rains so much on Guam. You know, you got plenty of fresh water to drink it's really amazing <laughs> that's half the battle they can he, he could capture that water and uh it was good it was a, it's a great story it really really is it goes to show you about men who that live by code you know right as far as that all went all right thanks willie Not i appreciate like you that's some yeah that's some really really good uh it's history and and, and of course the solomon islands was our first step towards getting back to taking over the philippines you know, that's that's what that was all about. The 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 island hopping campaign where you had Guam, Saipan, Tinian, you know, Iwo Jima and all that all of that, that was moving towards Tokyo. But you had a swing that came down from the Solomons, which are I think north east of uh, Australia. From there then they can make their way, you know, towards uh the uh the uh, the Philippines, you had to go through Burma and all that area to, to do that. And the Japanese had huge strongholds. That's where they were getting a lot of their natural resources because Japan didn't have enough natural resources to, you know, to push the, the war on. So that's where they got their rubber. That's where they got uh, some oil. That's where they were getting tin and things of that nature for their war effort. You think back about just living by a code, and a code used to be almost a natural thing people had within them. I mean, ethically and morally, living by a code, not well, just they, militarily. They, they lived by it there in right. Japan, no doubt uh, about it. And our culture supported it. That's the difference. Yeah, right. well, their, their, their culture definitely supported it. I mean, at the very end, yeah. after we had dropped two atomic bombs on them, there was still members of the military that were training the civilian population to repel the invasion of the Americans of the Japanese islands. And they didn't have guns or anything. They had sticks that were sharpened on the end. Well, they had children in Hitler's army at the end. Well, yeah, the kid, you know, kids were fighting at that point. Which, is, which everybody says, how terrible. Look, in the history of man, you know, you were, a, you were considered an adult when you were a kid. Right. As we... Teenagers didn't really even exist until, uh, uh, you know, Elizabeth, <laughs> our, our generation. Yeah. We're the first group of teenagers, so to speak, uh, from uh, the baby boom generation. Did you know that? Yeah, you can also think about this generation is the only one that, well, a couple of them now haven't had to deal with that type of war. And yep. look how soft we've become because of it. Yeah. And I hate that. I hate that. Well, but I think I that we'd be that way. But become, we've become soft, not because they're not military members, but because we've said 
they can't do certain kind of jobs and things. When I was a teenager, <laughs> we're more when I was younger, he and she and they than we are in yeah, our country. you're right. When I was young, you I could work a, a machine to cut lunch meat and stuff. You can't now if you're if you're young. If you're under, I think probably eighteen. You they can't use one of them. Uh, it's unsafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's really it's amazing. It they really, were raising really is. families at at fifteen and sixteen. Yes, they years were. Old. Yep, they yeah. were doing it. All right, East End Towing. Don't forget about them. Elizabeth is here. So is Simone. Heather's out for a couple of weeks. She's taking care of business that she's got to take care of. So uh, know that East End Towing though is ready to help you if you uh, find yourself on the side of the road or your your trailer breaks down or maybe it's your, your you know your boat or you know trailer breaks down or the trailer that you camp in your camper those type of things if they break down they'll come out and take care of them as well uh, doesn't matter what the situation is east end towing can handle it and they've got all of the answers to deal with it if you're on private property all of that stuff because there's some differences about being on private property and being on public property. Just give East End Towing a call. Again, put this number in your phone, uh, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. All right, back. Joe Rogan, you just can't get out of the news. It's amazing. He can't get out of the news. The, the people of Spotify trying to silence him the ceo says no we're back in joe rogan now this is a business decision you got to understand this joe rogan has 11 and a half million subscribers to his podcast <laughs> 11 and a half million spotify is not uh doing well on their music side they even admit that they're not doing that well so when it comes uh, comes to like Neil Young and saying it's either me or Rogan, you can't have both. Well, you know, uh, you know, Southern <laughs> su- Southern man don't need you round anyhow. That's you know what right. I'm saying? That's what they said. You know, so uh, the other thing is half the people, are, you know, half the people don't even know who he is anymore. Well, I agree. You know, I mean, they don't Mitchell. care about his music. It's probably yeah. more than half, to be honest with you now. But, yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, same thing with Joni Mitchell. Me, as much as young. as yeah. much as I love Joni Mitchell's music, how stupid to do what the, what they're well if they want to throw their money away. Uh, course you're not throwing their money away they don't even own they don't own their music catalogs anymore they sold them for millions and millions well, of dollars Young's trying to sell his was it, well young didn't he sell mm-hmm. his for 200 million well i i yeah, heard I that so. he was selling his or something this was some kind of marketing yeah, thing. 200 million dollars yeah it's not bad i yeah. mean everybody says i can't believe you know the beatles sold it or that michael jack when he sold his or paul mccartney and i'm you can't take it with you right you know they're not going to they're not going to bury your music in your coffin with you. Right. So if you can get a half a billion dollars for it, why not? But, I, yeah. Yeah. Make use it in as many commercials as you want to. That's right. I could care less make to be on. Make more music. Yep. Yeah. Make more music, or just put your feet. Do like I do. Put your feet up in your recliner and watch Bosch. Yeah. Two hundred. <laughs> two hundred million. You could. Uh, you could find some other life endeavors some artistic i'm sure you, you know, if you endeavors. can't yeah you, you you got a problem i'm just right. saying you got a problem but anyway did you see what rumble offered him uh elizabeth <laughs> i love it i love it i hope I, i'm hoping that he moves. Been said. 
I hope he moves. Move. Just I'd because... love to see him move. That would wouldn't that be He's something? already got 11 million viewers. I think that would skyrocket him. Yeah, well, Rumble, you know. Rumble is kind of a conservative mm-hmm. uh, supplier. So I, I would kind of like to see him go to Rumble, to be honest. Well, but, you know, Rumble Because it's about money, is, man. That's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. It's about money for the businesses. It's about free speech is what it's about and money. And think about all the heads that would explode. No, here, but I'm gonna, here's <laughs> what I will that. say. Uh, Elizabeth, if Joe Rogan didn't have 11 and a half million subscribers, do you think Spotify would have come to his his <laughs> defense all that much just over free speech? See, I don't think so. I think it's, I all, really, it's all about I'd the, heard the, man, the Benjamins. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. But, I mean, I'd heard the man's name before, obviously. Yeah. had not really listened to much of his show. But what got my attention was the chart I saw of his listeners and I mean, like 11 million and the next person on the list, and I don't even remember who it was, of all these different people we hear all the time on talk radio and everywhere else, it was like 5 million or yep, 4 million. Not I even mean, close. He's got twice, twice, I mean, huge. So obviously he has, um, you know, appeal across a oh, wide yeah. range. So this mm. is why I was excited about the whole story. Well, you, you, I'm a little disappointed in Mr. Rogan, but he's not necessarily a conservative. No, he's I not. I wanted him to stand up and say, uh-uh, you're not doing nothing, I'm leaving. That's not what he's done. And, in fact, he apologized. And now I understand that he himself is responsible for removing 30, 40, 60 shows from his you know, portfolio there because I used bad words and I he have was, to apologize. Yeah, he used the N-word. I'm sorry. He yeah. is bowing to the garbage. You know, you know, you know what's really... And he doesn't have to. Yeah, but here's what's really bizarre about the N-word. And I'm, I'm, you know, that is the only word that I know of that uh, depending on the group that you're in or the tribe that you're that you're in uh, can get you in trouble certain people can use it and it doesn't matter other people have black skin uh, you can use that word and it's fine but if not you're a racist and you have to be removed or can't that's what i'm saying tired here's here's what i don't know you know lenny bruce although people a lot of people don't like lenny bruce a lot of people like a lot of people don't like carlin or they don't like (laughs) uh somebody like uh well joe rogan (laughs) yeah rogan and all the rest because of they they say something that they don't like Here's the key. Lenny Bruce used to say because he was the he was the first guy that used to drop f bombs all the time, and <laughs> oh, yeah. and they would arrest him in Boston and in New York for public indecency for, the word. for a word. For the word he said they would put him in jail. All right, uh, he used to say the more you use a word, the less power that word has. And guess well, what? It's like the word racist. He's, these he's guys right. Been saying that too. That's exactly. Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Simone said that exactly. The exact same thing to me uh, when I mentioned what uh, what Lenny Bruce had said, and she says, "Yeah, like racist." Yeah, exactly. I remember uh, when I was working at uh, the Chicago Sun, and uh, we were doing a uh, expose on uh, uh, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. <laughs> about operation breadbasket and we were following the money and when they found out we were they started calling us racist 
And, Lord, that was one of the worst words you could be painted with at the time. They called you that, and everybody treated you like a pariah. From the race baiter himself. Yeah. Yeah, so that (laughs) is just things that, uh, you know, words, certain words, for whatever reason, uh, carry a whole lot of power. It's like calling somebody a Nazi. Yep. It's It's the same thing. Well, that's losing its power, too. Yes, I mean, well, because if you use it enough, yeah, people get... It's desensitized. You, know, eh, eh, you get desensitized right. to eh, it. Eh. Or just irritated about it. That's and my answer to it. a badge of honor. Hey, Ellswick, you're a Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What yeah. about your mother? <laughs> All right, let's take, a, let's take a break. we got news, and then we'll come back. Elizabeth is with us. Of course, uh, we've got Simone with us. we got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But first, let's bring you up on what's happening around the world. All right, so uh, Chris Tripp uh, called me yesterday. Now, you who've been listening to the show know who I'm talking about. He works for PI Roofing. Uh, I, you know, back in December when that uh, supercell formed over Cabot, we got a lot of wind. We got some uh, hail and stuff, and so I finally uh, had PI Roofing come out and walk my uh, uh, my my roof to check things out. And yes, I needed a new roof. Or I was going to need a new one within six months, is what they said. And so I got a hold of Alan Kerr, who is my insurance salesman, uh, and does my, uh, you know, my uh, my home uh, insurance, my car insurance, all that. And it's Safeco, but I found out Safeco is part of uh, Liberty Mutual, and I was really upset when the guys from Liberty Mutual came out to look at my my roof, and they didn't have you know Limu to Emu with them. Uh, so I could meet him and, Emu, Emu. and I wanted to see, I wanted to see him with his sunglasses on, but he <laughs> wasn't there. They said that he was doing some other stuff that day and making, we were all having a little bit of fun with that, but they, they went up and, uh, you know, PI roofing worked with my insurance company and sure enough, everything's taken care of. Uh, I will get a new roof put on my home and, uh, it won't even cost me my deductible. It, uh, it will be less than my deductible. And so uh, I'm going to pay $400 to put about a $16,000 roof on my home. And I, I, can, I, can, I count that as a win, That's to be honest. Yeah. So uh, Chris is supposed to call me and tell me what day they're going to do it. I'm sure they'll be looking for a week where they're going to, or a few days, would it be in the, the 50s or 60s yeah. so they can get up and, and do it. They won't be doing it like last Thursday. <laughs> it won't be up there when it's icing. But that's the way to do it. I do it with PI Roofing. They took care of everything. They got back in touch with me, uh, told me what the cost was going to be. I'll have the. I'll be signing uh, the... Uh, uh, the contract probably tomorrow and then we'll uh, move forward i already got a a check from my insurance company they pay like half of it then they pay the second half at, after it's all done so uh i, I showed my wife a eight thousand dollar check yesterday and i said it's we don't get to keep this we don't get to keep this we get to, we get to have it. so anyway they'll start tearing the shingles and all that kind of stuff off of my house here in the near future and if you got to get a roof done get it done by pi roofing they do a great great job joel johnson and his people do a fantastic uh job i know elizabeth knows this because she had pi roofing do their roof i know some other friends of mine uh they would ask me who who do you do for your roof and i told them and they had pi roofing and they love them as well 
So keep it in mind, PI Roofing, the best roofing company that I can think of here in central Arkansas, probably in the whole state, 707-3551 is their number, or piroofing.com. All right, back. We've been talking about a little bit about Joe Rogan. It's interesting how Joe Rogan got started uh, with his podcast because he, you know, he's kind of like uh, who was the country singer that always said, "I was country before country was cool." Ma- Barbara okay. Mandrell. Barbara Mandrell sang a song about "I was country before yeah. country was cool," and well, he was po- a podcaster before podcasting was cool, and uh, now he's got eleven million listeners. But he started off because he's big in MMA mixed martial arts and uh, he used to do on his talk show do a lot about mma and then the other thing that he did is he did a lot of art bell type stuff you know he would talk about aliens and weird stuff like that yeah Yeah, well i know he still does apparently and people people (laughs) love that stuff i tell you people love to listen to that stuff you know do i think there's venusians walking around amongst us no but it sure is interesting to listen to people uh, talk about it. Who believe that stuff? Yeah, it's one a great of my, conversation. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, segments that Art Bell did on his show. Uh, that uh, at the other station when I was PD, I carried Art Bell's show, and then George Norrie took over as I Art love Bell. Norrie. So I the, like Norrie. Yeah, yeah the, me the too. Bottom, do you remember when they talked about harp? You remember that word? Yeah, yes, Harp? I do remember. Um, the, yeah. gover- the government controlling the weather. Yeah, do you remember that? Yep. I yep. I love scary. listening to that. Yeah, that's scary, but I don't, don't. Right, but if it's possible, it's scary, like on a global scale. Yeah, I still don't buy that. <laughs> they, they've ne- they've yet the they've yet to be able to seed clouds and can say, well, tomorrow right. it's going to rain. I mean, I say the judgment's out on that. We don't yeah. know yet. Right. I, we've learned so many things that the government quote government does that we didn't ever expect that well, they I'm would not saying do. that they haven't I'm tried it. I'm not saying that they haven't tried it. I'm just saying it yeah. hasn't worked. That how these people know. get we on the air. We don't know what they're doing yet, though, really, and what's working. <laughs> See, that's what, what I'm saying. We don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with Elizabeth on but, this. But by not knowing, I will not embrace <laughs> the conspiracists. Agnostic. I, I didn't say it. I did. I, I know. Just I just, I just don't do that. We don't know yet. Yes. Okay. Well, that's with anything. Out. I mean, you can say I don't know I, since I don't have. I'm not God, and I have, I don't have unlimited yeah. knowledge. It's, it's always possible. But anyway, that's what he does. That's what he talks about. And he was just you know? a fringe when he. Yeah, started. he was. He, he was, was way on the fringe, yeah. and now he's mainstream. Right. People listen to him. Of course, he gets in. He gets into. Uh, you know what people are talking about now i mean what's gotten him in trouble is that he's willing to actually as we do here on this show talk about covid from all different angles right you know you know you listen to my show and i'll tell you that i got inoculated but i, I don't say that you need to i don't say that yeah you must be inoculated i think that that that's not right of me to to say that i don't i think that's a personal decision you know, as far as, as that's concerned. And I'm not going to treat you like a second-class class citizen. No, I was blessed with natural immunity just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, oh, you had it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. You told me yeah. that you had it. I've still got too, some brain about a month fog. Ago. Yeah, you had Omicron, too. You uh, all, yeah. all three of you, you know, Jack yeah. and, and Elizabeth. And, yeah. And then you, uh, Simone, did, did uh, your boyfriend get it, too? 
whole family. Oh, uh, I didn't my know. son had it. Since I know he Erica. drives a truck, I don't know if he happened to be out on the road. And... He was. Okay. Did he get it while he was well, on the road? I, he got it the day before, or two days before he had to leave. Okay. So it was like oh, his great. weekend thing. But he wasn't, the worst thing with him is he said he was super tired. Now, I got a sore throat. I've got the, you know, congestion in the my... The upper respiratory yeah. stuff. And everything, and he just—he says he's got brain fog really bad, and Jack he was super tired. Yeah, now, yeah, Jack well, had some yeah, of that. But let me like, say something from A to B, and I'm right. like, it's okay, you know. Let me let me jump in here and just say, you, you got to understand her boyfriend, though. I don't know if that was because of Omicron or that was just him. All right, as far as brain, <laughs> <laughs> he'd tell you the same thing. He's probably listening right now. Yeah, he probably. Uh, yeah, I, know he I should call you. And he's tell usually you. there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's. You know, everybody's he, had some different symptoms, you know, and it's been different for different people. Yeah, that's you so, know. I mean, that's the same way with flu. When I get the yeah, flu, exactly. I get I get really a bad case of the body hurts, you know. Yeah, everything. But aches. I don't throw up and all of that other stuff. Thank God, I hate throwing up. Right. Is there anything worse <laughs> than throwing up your toenails? That's disgusting. <laughs> no. no, that's the worst thing. It is all but, disgusting. Oh, I'm sorry if you're eating breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, and you know, we're not hearing a lot about this because they're really not wanting to talk much about it. If you look at those charts that are out there about all the overall infections and numbers of cases and all that kind of stuff, it went up and now it's down again. Yeah, it's, it's crashing. In one month, it's over with. Yeah, well, Omicron that's what they said. It would happen. The they said that's what, what would happen. Yeah, it was a blip. Well, but it has happened and no one is out there saying, uh-huh, it happened. They don't want us to know. They want us to be afraid. Well, They are not talking yesterday. about the fact that it's backing away. To, I mean, we only have, I think it's down by like two-thirds in general from where it was last year. Well, see, I was sitting I mean, in, that's I was sitting in that's watching, uh, think about it. I think it was Channel 7, and they were doing a story on another variant. It's called BA2, have you heard? I think BA, oh, stands, for, yeah. I think BA stands for badass. Uh, but well, it, and there's always going to be another I one, think okay? It makes you Ooh, laugh when they say, you oh, there's a new variant oh, at well, this wait, point. Wait, wait till I tell you the story here, all right? So the story, typically, and Elizabeth, you know this, being in journalism like I have been, uh, and I've been in radio journalism for years and years and did some TV as well. The typical length of a story on radio, they try to tell you, don't do it longer. 45 seconds is long enough. You know, give a little a little audio clip in it or some natural sound and then the story. Uh, they did on the on the show, it seemed to be about a minute and 45. So it was a long story, okay, in uh, using it in television. And they waited to the, they were talking about how easy it was to transmit and all this other things that they always talk about. And then in the last 10 seconds of the story, I kid you not, here's what they said. But if you have had your inoculation or you have natural immunity, your chances of contracting <laughs> BA2 is virtually nil. Just to but let you know after the it's not, very last piece of the story. Yeah, it's not even a it's not that tells you it's not even a story. It was clickbait. Yeah, that's exactly. You are exactly right. Well, it was clickbait. To scare you and not to give you factual information. It is criminal what our government is doing to the people. It is criminal. Well, this is look. It wasn't the government. This was this was a person on TV talking about it. Well, most and, people and don't they're, read they're, that. They're, they're all one, following the same playbook. But they right? want yeah. rather. 
But it comes, uh, Elizabeth, you know as well as I do, it comes <laughs> down to money. It used to be news lost money, okay? Uh, CBS, for years, poured hundreds of millions of dollars into their news operation and never made that money back because they thought that that was part of being in television was to keep the pu- the public well informed of the news now <laughs> it's all, all the about <laughs> yeah but now it's all about money how much yeah, money can you can you make and that's what it's well, that's he- what it's all about yeah, these outlets are not there to provide news, Dave. We know this. They're there to provide the propaganda that they're being paid. Well, it started provide. in the 70s. That's the way when, the money works. When they started doing what we, you and I, used to call soft news. Yes, yes. Like, you know, making, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it's all about the talk and who said what and what you think about the news instead of emotional. the facts of what or, happened. Or, yeah. you know. What kind of, what kind of uh, lingerie should your wife wear on on uh, uh, Valentine's night <laughs> to keep her husband happy. I mean, those are the, I'm just talking. I started seeing stories like that, yeah. and I said, uh-oh. That's not news. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's like Glamour news. Magazine There's or problems something. coming up right now. There's problems <laughs> yeah. coming right now. All right, we got 13 minutes till uh, 7 o'clock. Let's take a quick break. Billy is going to be here for the Bible Guys. Uh, Steve can't make it. Scott is out of town. So Billy will be here to answer all your Bible questions. Remember, you can still send in your question to BibleGuys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R.com. And when we come back, I got some information about the town halls that are coming up here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. What's going to be cool yesterday, I'll tell you all what happened yesterday. It was really cool. That's all coming your way. Don't forget about David Lucas Financial. You want to know how to buy some gold or silver? A lot of people are. They're looking and flocking to gold and silver, hoping that it could help them protect their assets, their IRAs, their 401ks, their hard-earned savings. By the way, big story out today how rents have gone through the ceiling, and it's because of inflation. 501-222-3315 is the number to call. And uh, the folks at David Lucas Financial are going to talk to you and talk to you how to buy gold and silver, how to use it as an investment tool. Uh, You can work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country with David Lucas Financial. So you get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. To learn more about buying silver and gold, call this number, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. 3315 investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial in Arkansas, registered investment advisor. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. I just came across an interesting story here on Breitbart. Uh, The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has officially stopped requiring hospitals now to report uh, coronavirus deaths, and that started last Wednesday as the death Uh toll approached 900,000. Initially established in January, the rule change did not go into effect until this last Wednesday. So uh, that's that's what's going on over there. That's the same day, by the way, that the U.K. government announced it would stop requiring hospitals to report that information uh, as as well. And you know why. Well, hold on. Let me finish the story here. (laughs) One federal health official called the change incomprehensible 
arguing that reporting coronavirus death tolls to the federal government is the most reliable metric. Quote, it is the only consistent, reliable, and actionable data set at the federal level. 99% of hospitals report 100% of that data every day. Okay, so go ahead now, Elizabeth, jump on in. Well, yes, the hospitals, they say, is one of the most accurate places to get that data, but the fact of it is that, yes, there's two things going on with the death rate. From corona directly, it is not as serious as the media has portrayed it for quite a while now. However, just very recently, we're seeing a spike in deaths overall from unknown reasons. Okay, you can look that up. The death rates are up. There are people at the life insurance companies going, excuse us, we are paying out 40% more on life insurance for 18 to 45-year-olds. There's something going on. So, again, you know, it just highly disturbs me that we are in an era where the information, just the factual information, is being deliberately blocked and kept from the American public. Well, of so course. We do not know what's going on. Of course. They can't scare you if you know what's really happening. Yeah. That's the point. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah, that's, all, that's all that there is to it. I mean, look, I agree there's been a rise of killings in, in Little Rock. But if you break it down and really, really look at it, your chances of being of, of somebody shooting you in any of the major cities are is much less than what they kind of make it look like. It makes it they make it look like if you walk down the streets of New York City, uh, you know, one out of every two people being shot by somebody or getting stabbed. Yeah, that's just not that's just not the case. Are there certain areas within New York City? Well, that might be, or in Chicago, yes. And let me just say this. I'm going to be 69 next week. I can tell you in Chicago, we've known the southwest side of Chicago has always been dangerous. <laughs> right. You just stay out of there. You don't go there. You don't have if, business you know. there. Don't go. And it don't matter what color you are. Right. I'm just telling you, if, if you don't live there, don't go there. Go ahead. Deliver. What's interesting? What's interesting is some of the news people that we see on television who live in New York, and they are talking about how they feel unsafe going around in their own town. In other words, they've lived there forever. They're familiar. Now, I'm not familiar with the streets of New York, but they are, and they're saying how they don't feel comfortable any longer well, and on the, television, and, you yeah, know, to the public. The, so, re- the reason that's happening is because some bizarre things have happened, like homeless people now pushing people in front of subway uh-huh. trains and subway. stuff like that. I mean, and and part of that's happening because they pulled back about how much money they're paying their cops and they can't put as many cops out on the street. Well, and they really screwed up their mental health services in New York with de Blasio's wife. <laughs> and what I don't know what was going on there. But exactly. It was she needed some extra money for dresses, I'm sure. Yes. All right. <laughs> let me let me jump in, Elizabeth. You're going to be excited about this. Yesterday, uh, myself, uh, Lynn Dyer, who is uh, head of sales here at uh, uh, Salem and for the for the uh, the answer, and Steve Marston, who's the operations manager here, went over to Agape uh, Family Life Center, and that's where we're going to have a series of town halls starting in March. Okay. March March tenth will be the first one. And we're going to do town halls on Secretary of State, Lieutenant Governor, 
uh, on, uh, let's see, what, what what other one am I forgetting here? AG. You said you were going to do governor. Yeah, and, well, we're going to have a, uh, one for governor. We're still working that out we're with Sarah. We're going to do four? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, with Sarah, there'll be one every, and we're working. I'm trying to get the okays. If everything works out in April, we will have two town halls, and they will be for District 2, Congressional race, Republican primary, and the other will be for the uh, senatorial race with uh, Senator Bozeman and the people who are challenging him. And they'll be up on a stage, and uh, you'll be able to ask questions by sending them to me in email form. And if you'll just send me a video, message me, all right? Message me on Facebook with a video. you know, it, depending on how many we get, we'll get a bunch, I'm sure. Uh, we'll pick the best ones, and uh, we're going to be able to play some videos while we're there, and people will be able to see the people who are asking the questions uh, of the candidates. But I have firmly believed and always believed, and Elizabeth, you know this because you've been around me for over a, a decade and a half, and uh, Simone, you've been with me for like a year or whatever. Here's the bottom line. I think that you should have all the information you need to make the decisions that you need to make about these candidates. And so we're going to do uh, the whole thing about these town halls. Uh, I'm going to make it possible for you to go. There'll be an event bright uh, situation. It costs $10 to come to them. That's not much. That's very, very mm. little. You can come sit down and listen to what candidates have to say. Uh, Alan Kerr is going to ask the questions. I am recusing myself completely so that no one can say Dave Ellswick tried to to push this candidate or that candidate. I'm not going to do that. I will welcome you to the event, and then Alan Kerr is going to take care of it. Uh, Heidi is going to be back here, and we're going to broadcast them live uh, during the the show on the radio. So you can hear it on the radio. Uh, We're trying to find out if we're going to get the Mevo over there. If we can, you'll be able to watch it on my Facebook page. So it's going to be all different kinds of ways. First time that we broadcast from the Rotunda on the 22nd of February for signing day. I'll be doing the show from noon until 3 o'clock. Time for me to get out of the way. Bible Guys coming up. Thank you, Elizabeth, for coming on. Thank you, Simone. We yes, appreciate sir. it. we got more coming your way on the Dave Ellswick Show. recognize the song but kind of like it yeah is that uh newsboys go ahead get on mic toby mac toby mac newsboy former lead singer yeah or newsboys yeah i mean just got they've got their own sound yeah yeah they yeah. really really do and uh, yeah here and i go it's like yesterday i was i was driving home and i flipped on the sirius fm and I was listening to to deep tracks and um, listening to songs that uh, they were playing. And I looked at Linda. I said, you know who that is, don't you? And she goes, no. 
It was it was Jim Morrison, and what it was it was a cut of of uh, "Love Me Two Times." Gotcha. That, that, that was they was not the one that they used. It was a different right, cut that right. they had cut, and they were making their mind up which one they liked the better. And it was pretty good. I enjoyed that. It was, but that happens. But anyway, Toby Mac, he Toby was uh, Mac. he was here in uh, in Little Rock not too long ago. Oh, really? Uh, what, what about his hits tour that he calls it? I think it is. Yeah, interesting. I think that he was. He was here. Finally, he made it. He, for two years, he'd been trying to get here, and uh, COVID kept screwing COVID, things up. And COVID, then COVID. he was able to get in and uh, do his thing, as far as that, that's concerned. I would like to do a a classic contemporary Christian concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm-hmm. There's a couple of the groups I'd like to bring. It's only a, there's a, there's only a few members of the group left. Yeah, you know, a lot of them died. I'd like to bring Petra back. Mm-hmm. And let, you know, one of my favorite albums that was not of this world. I yep. love that album, yep. and I'd love to get the Resurrection Band here from Chicago with uh, Glenn and uh, his wife Kaiser's uh, over here and have them perform. And then there's some uh, individual people. Uh, I'm trying to think about. I want to be a clone. I can't think of his name now. I'd like to have him. So uh, a lot of different people. Chuck Gerard, who really was kind of the contemporary christian artist that uh kicked in the uh, the jesus movement yeah from yeah. out there in san diego so it'd be interesting to to get some of those people back and uh, and perform again probably have about eight people at the concert because <laughs> nobody even knows who i'm talking about mm. right now as far as that's concerned michael w smith is coming to conway in april i heard oh, really and I, I want to see if I can't get him on the air. The last time I interviewed Michael W. Smith was in Austin, Texas. Yeah, uh, in the eighties. Oh wow! And he was a member of a band of a very famous Christian contemporary artist. Do you know who that artist I was? No idea. No idea. Amy Grant. Oh really? Yeah, he played keyboards for her, mm, and uh, it was. In fact, I can the way I know, kind of know the date. And I could figure out the date if I sat down and really thought about it. But it was just when Age to Age had been released right, right. by Amy. And uh, I was in the Air Force at the time. It was the first time I had gone to bat, gone, seen my captain, and said, hey, we're doing all these rock and roll groups and all these country groups. I said, Christian contemporary music <clears throat> is starting to make an an impact in right, our culture right. and a lot of people like it and i said i'd like to do a show uh with some artists and he says oh dave i don't know <laughs> that's religious you know how how the military looks at uh, religion kind of thing because you got to understand when you go when you're in the military uh, like when you go to chapel you don't right. go to church you go to you go chapel, to chapel. Yep. And the guy who's preaching to you may be a Protestant. He yeah, may yeah. be a Southern Baptist. He may be a Pentecostal. You don't know. Yep. All right. What exactly their, their belief system might be. But uh, so they, it took me a month, but I was able to persevere. Lord was able to persevere. And uh, I went and interviewed Amy Grant. Oh, awesome. and uh did a show on her and what we did is we take the interview and mix it with the music and right, we right. we used age to age their uh, the listening audience overseas that lives close to the military bases used to listen to armed forces radio mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that's the way they got their western music oh, and yeah, makes uh, sense. Makes sense. so 
at the BX, that's PX and all that, Amy Grant started selling like hotcakes. Oh, nice. And she she got a, a gold album from over that area. Oh, there you go. I got a really nice letter. I think it was from, I forget whether it was Word or Sparrow Records, about how they were happy that that had happened for Amy. Well, I also talked to Michael at that time. Right. right. And I would love to talk to him now to see what he thinks about Christian contemporary music from when it started yeah. and what everybody was saying yeah. that was performing and what it's it has become 35 almost 40 years what it so, has become yeah. now yeah you know have we did we have we missed the mark yeah that's the question so it'll be interesting i'll see if i can't get him on it would be fun yeah. to talk that, to michael that would again be, uh, that would be to tell you how cool. far it was the big song that had just come out by michael w smith friends really how many how many weddings have you gone to and heard that song? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. Wow. He's he's really, really popular. He's a and he's a great guy. He really yeah. is a great guy. Yeah. All right, Billy is the only Bible person here today. Good morning. The other two, Scott is out doing something and I think uh, he's traveling. I could Steve, be wrong, but I think Steve he's is tra- working. Steve's working. Okay. That's you know, the government demands that he, he does show he up at times. He thinks feeding his family is important. Yeah, he does. Absolutely, why. he does. <laughs> I mean, it's like I pay him enough. I don't understand why. <laughs> but Billy's here today, and he can handle it. We've got a question from last week that we didn't get to because we spent a whole hour trying to give background information, foundational information, mm-hmm. and then understanding in context of what uh, – uh, a chapter in Galatians was talking about about Jerusalem. So uh, we spent that whole uh, hour doing that, and I hope it answered the person's question. But here, the question that we have that was left over, and I wanted to wait because this may take a little bit of time as well. The, you have may have faced this question. A lot of people face this question yeah. when they change churches. Yep. All right. And here's the question. Dear Bible guys, I'm writing with a question that has bothered me from some time now, and I'm in hopes that you guys can help me sort through it. Okay, here goes. How do I move my family from our existing church to a new church that is much more biblically balanced and one that follows the calendar of the Lord and celebrates his holy days, etc. Sounds like they're looking to move from a typical Christian church to a Hebraic mm, could Christian be, could be. church. That's kind of what this sounds like, uh, because they're going to celebrate the holy days and, and all the rest. We have friends and family at our church, none of which we will have at the new one. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Relationships are important and strong. Anything thoughts or advice would be most appreciated this is a real quandary at times it really is and i I will start off by saying and then i'm going to turn over to billy is that the holy spirit works differently with different people yep and just because he's talking to you about something that's happening maybe within your church and you're thinking uh, I went to this other church, and man, I'd like to be a member of that church. You better, if the other member, that maybe your wife or your husband or or whatever, uh, are not being talked to in the same way, you might want to get on your knees and and be praying about that because it can cause 
problems. Yeah. yeah. It's all yours, Billy. I will now get out of the way and let you get all the, the nasty, uh, <laughs> you know, emails. Feel free to send the nasty grams my way. Um, <clears throat> so the first thing I, I think I would, would ask is um, for you to examine yourself and ask why it is you want um, to change churches. And the vast majority of the time when I ask someone uh, that very honest and very blunt sort of question, the <clears throat> initial response will be shock. And then people will start to think, why is it that I want to change churches? And almost invariably, the response is, um, well, I have come to a conclusion uh, or, well, I realize that. Um, and here's here's the deal. You did not do that on your own. Um, the Holy Spirit moved you to realize that there was something better or something different that he is moving you towards. Whether it's something you see that your church is not doing or something your church is doing that you feel perhaps is wrong. Right. Those things can can be peeled back by the Spirit himself. Right. And, and based on kind of the tone of the question there, I, I'm, I'm going to guess that the Spirit has revealed to you that, hey, there are some things you should be doing that you're not doing or that this church body is not doing and probably some things they're not doing that they should be doing. Um, <clears throat> and as a result, you feel this impetus to move. Um, but here's here's the long and short of that is that it took God moving on you for you to want to make that move. And so the first thing you should be doing in this situation is praying for God to reveal to your family um, the same thing that he has revealed to you. Now, when it comes to relationships, uh, and I'm much more interested in relationships than I am what denomination you call yourself. I, I, that's God is a God of relationship. He is not a God of denomination. Okay. Um, now, I will say that if you're in a church that's not teaching truth, um, that's an issue. And, and particularly if you're in one of these really modern progressive progressive hey man uh god can be found in everything and anywhere and we just all need to get along uh that is a that is dangerous and you need to be having that conversation with your family uh i'm going to guess based on kind of the tone of the question that that's probably not true what you're dealing with is probably a a long established um sort of church because you talk about having these long relationships um I also find myself in that situation. Understand that I am married to a woman who has spent her entire life in a single denomination. Um, and so we're approaching 50 rapidly. Actually, my wife, don't tell anybody, but my wife turns 50 in just a couple of months. So, okay, so, so how long have you been married? We have been married 22 years this year. Okay, so, so this has been an ongoing thing. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I, she is a a member of the UPCI, and um, I, in my, so I grew up Pentecostal, but I grew up Trinitarian, and when I was 22, 23, maybe 24, um, I was introduced to this whole oneness concept by a, a very, very close friend of mine, the man who eventually became uh, my best man when I got married, and um, he introduced me to a church, a local church here, and uh, I have told the story on on several occasions that really my path diverged from my father's when I was nine years old. So okay, hold your thought. Okay, I, I got to take a break. All right, 
and you hear the best way to learn about things like this is to hear other people's experiences absolutely and uh billy's gonna he he's gonna testify he's gonna do a little <laughs> testify in here on the uh, the dave ellswick show 19 minutes after seven uh if you're looking for an alarm or a security system or if you're not but uh you know you know that maybe you should have one let me suggest that you get a hold of icu protection llc Dot com get a hold of them that billy mack owns this uh business uh he's been in this business since the 90s he knows what he's doing and uh, he does home uh security he does business security i know several people that use him for their businesses i know several people that use them at his at their home uh he has a digital uh trip line that you can set up at your house what that means is that Typically, in the old-fashioned way they did this, they had like the little things like you got on your garage, and there's a light that shines across, and if you break the the light, it stops the garage door from going up or down because it knows that there's somebody there. Well, they used to, it used to be kind of that way uh, with uh, the old uh, security systems, or in your house, they use sound waves, and if uh, they get broken up, they... Uh, notify you that there's somebody in your house well now through digital means they do the same thing except that there's analytics involved in it and they can tell whether it's a person an animal or a car or the wind so that you don't get a bunch of of erroneous notifications about what's going on at your house or your business and and uh billy can help you with that on top of that he is big time about cameras you want a camera? He can supply the camera and not those old fuzzy nasty ones. So I'm talking about 1080p. Like if you have direct TV like I do, you know how clear sports broadcasts are? That's exactly how his cameras are. You can look at the people and tell who it is. You can read the numbers on the back of the uh, the license plates on the car, things of that nature. So to get the best you need to use the best, okay? And Billy can do that for you. You pay for the service, though. It starts at about $40 a month. You pay for the service. You don't pay for the hardware. He doesn't charge you for the hardware at all. That is uh, ICU Protection, LLC. ICU, the letters, ICU Protection, LLC. Phone number 501 501- Two zero five thirteen thirty three. That's five zero one two zero five thirteen thirty three. Give him a call today. All right, Billy was given his own personal uh, story about you know how he diverged from his father's view of uh, of religion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was at about the age of nine years old. About so, nine years old. You yes. know, turn it. I'm going to turn it over to to Billy and let him pick it up here because the question is. You're being led to leave a church to yep. go to another church because of something that the other church is doing or whatever. Yep. You've been at this church for a long, long time. You got a lot of friends mm-hmm. and you got maybe family and you all go to church. Maybe maybe you got like the same pew you sit in every mm-hmm. Sunday mm-hmm. and everybody knows that and nobody would ever try to sit in your in your pew. Uh here's the key. Uh if you decide to move, it causes a lot of consternation it does does. for that 
what how do you get around that or is there a way of getting around it now i'm going to turn it over to back to billy so when um when my wife and i got married i was ministering in the upci i was uh at a local church over in north rock um and even though um, I, I was I was never ordained within within that particular denomination because I had some significant problems with I I knew that while I was much closer in the UPCI um, to what I had been before I still was not where I needed to be I, I knew that um, I knew that I still believed some things that they didn't and therefore I I could not accept ordination. Um, and, and I was never offered ordination. I, I think they understood that uh, based on some divergence in belief there that that would have been inappropriate. So understand that that's 22 years ago. And I have been ministering. Uh, I, I I can't even really say I left the UPCI because I'm still highly involved with the church that my wife attends on a regular basis. Um, now, I have an, a bit of an advantage um I'm going to assume based on the context of the, the question there, I have a bit of advantage in that I attend church on Sabbath, on Saturdays, and my wife attends church on Sundays. So we can mix to some extent. I can go to church with her on occasion. She can come to church with me on occasion. Um, but even now, my wife's entire social life is wrapped up in the church that she grew up in. Now, it's not that understandable, not that particular building. But it is the same group of people. Um, my my wife's youngest sister and the pastor, uh, I think it was the pastor of her current church, went to college together. I mean, it, the, the UPCI, while it is a very large denomination, is also a very small denomination. Right? Okay. Everybody knows everybody. Um, so when we start talking about relationships and there being these long relationships and, and how do you move away from that, the answer is you shouldn't. Now, wait a minute. If you're in a church that is teaching inappropriate things, you need to find a place where you can still learn and be taught the proper things, but you should never give up those relationships. Those relationships are important. God is a God of relationships. He is all about relationship. So I maintain uh, those relationships, those friendships that I've now had for, you know, nearly, I guess, approaching 30 years at this point. I, I never cut myself off from those former people. Do I attend a different church today? Absolutely. Matter of fact, I minister and preach and teach within a different church, but I have never tried to give up those relationships. Um, it's just not how I'm wired, not who I am um, doing what I do. Ministering to anyone is is about relationship. Um, there's that old statement: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know that, uh, that. Guess what? The people that I can minister to most effective are people who I have long standing friendships with, um, I have long standing relationships with, because they know they can trust me. They they know that I'm not just um, some idiot out here talking about things that I, I drank the Kool-Aid and now I want to try to convert them to some cult. They know better than and that. And you've been living it. Right. Uh, well, and they, they know me well enough and trust me enough that they know that I, I'm not just way out there in left field somewhere. All right. We got more about this when we come back. I told him we'd be spending a whole hour talking about this. I'm telling Billy that. And, and we're going to. Coming back, how do you leave a church and go to another church and how do you get around friendships and things of that nature more when we come back? You know, I had Pat Davis on the show a few weeks back, and we talked about health insurance. 
and I really want you to give him a call. I mean, do yourself a favor. I mean, you're not doing me a favor when you call him. You're doing yourself a favor because you're going to save 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Check and see how much you pay. A lot of you may not even know. Uh, you know, they take it out of your paycheck every uh, two weeks or whatever. And uh, you don't know what you're paying. You should check it. It may be, you know, a couple hundred bucks every paycheck. You know, $400 a month times 12 is a lot of money. Uh, if you could save 50% of that, what would you do with it? Save it up, maybe use it on vacation. That'd be nice. Go to Disney World. that probably buy you some tickets to get into Disney World or whatever. Uh, so, you know, this is where, you know, Pat comes into to play here. Uh, call him at 501-605-6935. Two things I want you to ask him about. First, no deductibles. Or not, not deductibles, no co-pays. No co-pays. Uh, that can save you an inordinate amount of money right off the bat. And then talk to him about deductible busters. Deductible busters, because that's important as well. Know that it's actual insurance, not a share plan, and that you can choose any provider in the nation for your health care, uh, your health insurance, and then he can work the way that he does it uh, around with them. Again, that is Pat Davis, 501-605-6935, and it's yourhealthplanman.com. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, talking to uh, Billy. He's the the Bible guy that's in the spotlight today. We're talking about what if the Holy Spirit is m- moving you to move to a new church for what a, for a, for a, a legitimate reason. Let mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. not because they're going to change the color of the carpeting or whatever, right? Right. Uh, but for a legitimate reason. But the rest of your family, your your wife or whatever, your friends. Don't see it that way. Right. What do you do? Right. So uh, we were talking about relationship. Um, and I would encourage you, even even if you're already attending somewhere else or if you're planning to, um, uh, and the tone of the question, and I didn't look to see who had sent it, but it sounds like a uh, a, a husband trying to move and, and a wife who's hesitant. And I will, I will tell you that that is normally the way that happens. Uh, when when I talk to people or I see people moving uh, out of a church and moving towards what they consider a more biblically-based church, it tends to be the, the husband leading that effort, unless the husband is not particularly um, spiritually sensitive. Now, I, I do know some instances where that has happened, but this tends to be a husband who has looked around and gone, huh. That that doesn't that doesn't jive with what I have read or uh, what I understand about Scripture, and they start looking around for something that is more biblically based. Understand that um, often in relationships, one person is more attuned to relationship, and the other one more attuned to hard fact and truth doctrine. Right, and if you're the one who is more attuned to the doctrine and less attuned to the relationship, you're ready to move far before your partner or the rest of your family is. And what you have to do is you have to assure, you have to prove through your actions that hanging on to those relationships is important to you and that you have no intention of giving those up. Now, it may be that in the course of time, some of those relationships begin to fall away. That That's, that's not abnormal. Uh, but until you can prove 
that you are sincere about hanging on to the relationships that are so important to the rest of your family, you'll never get them to move. It just won't happen. Uh, I, and I was telling my own story, the, the, this, the advantage I have, and perhaps if you're moving, if you're, you're listening to this show and you've, I think we've, the three of us have made it plainly clear where we stand. You, you may be looking to move to a Sabbath church. Well, in that case, you've got a bit of an advantage in that you can continue, um, you can continue in both places. Uh, I, I still do that. I still attend church with my wife on, on occasions and she attends church with me. Now, my wife keeps all the, the high holy days with me. She, I, I can't say we keep kosher because none of us keep kosher. We keep biblically clean. I mean, we, we do all of these things. We live this lifestyle, but the relationships and friendships are important enough to her that she continues to attend that Sunday church. Right. I continue to minister and preach and teach in a Saturday church. And often we cross over one way or the other. Not every week. Uh, it, we would never get anything else done if it were every week because you do have to have some time for some other things. But, um, you know, when, when we were first married and I was ministering within that denomination, we were at the church um, five, six, sometimes seven days a week um, just because that, because of what was important to us and, and how we lived our life. So th- you may have to live. And I know we often talk about don't be don't straddle the fence. You really may not have to do that for a while. You might have to straddle the fence for a let while. Me, until let, you me, can... let me ask some questions. Yes, okay. Because we're talking wife and husbands. Teenagers, this can be really tough. It really can be very tough um, because, th- number one, teenagers tend to be um, less secure about who they are. Right. And they found their own clique. And if you start trying to take that clique away from them, you start trying to take that peer group away from them, um, and you'll end up with some very rebellious teenagers on your hands. Uh, if you're in that position, I definitely encourage you um, to continue where you're at, even if you're having to do supplemental teaching at home, because you have the the worst thing you can do to teenagers is to rip that carpet out from underneath them and turn their lives upside down. And by the way, try to convince them that what they've been taught is wrong. Yes. Because then they begin to try to question everything. You know, well, if, if they were wrong about these things over here, are they even wrong about God? Mm-hmm. So you have to provide a very strong foundation and one of the worst things you can do to teenagers is to rip that carpet out from underneath them because you can send them on a path that will eventually lead them away from God pretty easily. Yeah, things um, that really cause problems for people. Death causes problems. Yep. Divorce causes problems. And as I mentioned, the different things that cause so many problems, the core principle of what causes the problem is change. Yeah, yeah. People do not deal with change very well. We, 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 particularly in the U.S., we like to think of ourselves as, you know, a bit of a rebel and I'll do what I want. And, and here's the reality. You developed um, patterns um, from about the time you were um, six, seven, or eight, uh, and really until you were in your mid-20s. And short of divine intervention, the patterns you've established um, during that time period are the patterns you will follow the, the vast majority of your life. Um, that that period of time um, from your from the the mid single digits until the, your mid twenties really defines what your habits will look like unless you make a concerted effort to change those patterns. Um, so it's an it's be careful, particularly if you're dealing with late teenagers and er, and early twenties who are still living at home. Be careful about. I would I would rather see you stay in a church. Where you're not getting now, if they're teaching, if they're teaching seriously unbiblical things, you got to leave. But if they're just not teaching as much truth as you want, you can supplement that at home. 
You know, a, a lot of times the conversations my family and I have driving home from church is, hey, what did you think about X, Y, Z? And and by the way, have you considered this other thing over here? Um, you know, you're, I'm supplementing that teaching. Now, I, I'm in, in the, uh, I guess, beneficial position that my boys attend church with me. My daughter does occasionally. I have three kids, two boys and a girl. And they attend church with my, now my oldest son is with me every week. He actually runs the audio video for us there at the church. My youngest, um, when he's not shooting archery or doing something with the ROTC or doing band stuff is often with me on Saturdays. And and my daughter attends fairly regularly as well, as, as well as my wife. So I have the advantage in that they're with me a lot of times, but I'm with them sometimes too. So that whole um, walking both of those roads and supplementing, I, I like to go hear what's being taught um, where they're at so that I can go, hey, have you also considered X, Y, and Z? Hey, you know, all three of my children um, have been deeply involved in running Bible studies at their at their schools. Uh, my daughter led the, the P7 club at, at Cabot for a couple of years while she was there. P7, what is that? Um, that is a Bible-based uh, club at the, and I think P7 is still being run at um, the high school there in okay. Cabot. Um, and she helped get that established back in the day. It's it's a, just a, a Bible club where they meet, I think they meet twice a week. Um, but she ran that for a couple of years. So my, my kids have always been very involved in that sort of thing. So um, as a result, they tend to look for truth. Uh, and thankfully, um, while I did move away from a, a, a Sunday church and into a Saturday church, uh, a, a church that keeps the, the feasts and the festivals, um, it wasn't because the the place where they're at is wrong. It's that I wanted something that was more right. And I know that sounds weird, but guess what? I don't care where you go. They're still going to be doing some things wrong. It's just the nature. None of us have all the truth. None of us have all the truth. So sometimes you have to live where you're at. Yeah. And that's, that's sometimes that's hard because, because we as human beings are kind of driven for what is the best. But sometimes you just have to live where you're at. Sometimes I find myself walking through a valley and I just have to accept the fact that that's where God wants me right now, even though I don't want to be in the valley. <laughs> and that is particularly true if that's you're dealing with truth. teenagers. Uh, that is particularly true <laughs> if you're dealing with teenagers and you're in that time where ripping the carpet out from underneath them would be dangerous um, to, to their long-term spiritual health. Um, it, sometimes you just have to be patient. And sometimes you just have to pray. And, you know, I'm still praying. Hey, God. The illumination that you shined in my light, my life when I was nine years old, shine that light more brightly into the lives of my wife and children. Yep. Sometimes you have to be patient, wait on God, and just continue to pray for illumination to come. And sometimes you have to pray for, hey, um, that stubborn woman that I'm married to, let her see the light too. Yeah. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing just and a little she's bit. she's probably preaching, probably oh, praying yeah, about you yeah, too. No, no, there's, there's no doubt that... Uh, um, I am a stubborn person. If I wasn't, I would, uh, I probably would have been plowed under long ago, but, uh, it, it is, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Okay. Everything we do is about relationship. So walk softly, walk softly, walk softly and, and try not to carry a big stick. And cause uh, that, that is not appropriate. Um, particularly when we're talking about this sort of thing, walking softly, um, and, and, and not carrying the big stick. Uh, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I'm guilty of walking in and going, you know what? 
uh, I understand that you and I have a difference of opinion, but I lead this household, and I and then I end up having to repent after that, right? Yeah, so, ah, babe, I'm sorry. I, I was I was feeling my oats there for just a minute, and I was upset, and I should have kept my mouth shut, and I didn't. I'm still human, right? I mean, regardless of of what leadership position I might find myself in, or or where I may be teaching or preaching, I'm still human. And sometimes I get a little sideways right. and then I end up having to repent. And there's the difference between um, there's the difference between being a man and being a godly man. When, right. when I make my mistake, I, I come apologize. Yeah, you ask for forgiveness. And Absolutely. For forgiveness. There you go. All right. 13 minutes before eight o'clock. We still got some time here with Billy. If you got a question, eight, two, three, oh, nine, six, five. That is the number to call eight, two, three, oh, nine, six, five. Or if you want to send me a quick email, uh, you can Bible guys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R uh, dot com. Don't forget about East End Towing. They have the knowledge, no matter what your problem, to make sure that you your car is taken care of or your trailer or your camper or whatever it might be. Uh, so give them a call. Here's the number to put in your phone, 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. Forty-nine. That's the number for East End Towing. Uh, they uh, belong to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed. They are insured. Uh, tow operation and each of their truck is trucks are also permitted. That is East End Towing. All right, back. Uh, we got. I got a an email here late into the show, and uh, let me read this to you. It says. Uh, he said his wife has always been a BCI. What is that? I've never heard of BCI. Not, not BCI. Uh, UPCI. My wife UPCI. has always been a, a member of the um, United Pentecostal Church International, the UPCI. So I, I, I apologize. I have a tendency to um, throw that particular abbreviation around all the time um, because for me it's it's second nature. But yeah, that's a... United Pentecostal Church International is the denomination she's always been a part of uh, and will probably uh, all of her life uh, be a part of that. And there's there is value in that stability. There is value. I appreciate the fact that my wife can maintain relationships like that, that she has literally had uh, for nearly 50 years at this point. I mean, she's still um, some of the kids that she went to church with when she was, you know, in her preteen years she still maintains maintains contacts with and still maintains friendships with today uh, there are very few people in this world i have a couple of people uh part of the the deal is that having moved around so often when we were very young children is i don't have any childhood friends you know i didn't my oldest nearest dearest friend um is someone i met when i was 13 or not 14 i was 14 years old uh when we met so i don't have any people that i know from the time i was you know seven eight nine years old just they're they're not in my life yeah i don't because i I moved well yeah you were uh when i was a military brat right no 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 oh were you not just uh my uh, my dad decided he was getting out of hessville and we went to highland Ah, well there you go and so i'm gonna tell you what that move was only eight miles yeah but it was light years different. Yeah. Well, it changed your social circle. Yeah. Right. And so it put yeah. me in uh, the Highland school system and all kinds of stuff. Um, it made a big difference to me because when I played baseball, uh, if I was playing over, you know, I'm going to talk high school now, if I had played for Tech, 
or or Harding, not Harding, pardon me, or, or Morton, uh, or some uh, Hammond High, if I walked on the field and they said, what's your name? I said, Dave Ellswick. They would have known exactly who I was yeah, yeah. from my time playing Little League uh, and had no problems you right. know, at all. I wouldn't have had to prove myself. Right. I went to Highland. I walked out on the field and said, who are you? And I yeah. said, "I'm da- and who are you? Yeah, you're the new guy. Yeah, we don't, know, we don't even know guy. who you are. Right. Oh, you play third base. Well, we got three other guys that play third base, right. you know. Right. So are you better than those three? I mean, you can understand how yep. it did. The same thing when I went to when I went to school, uh, the first few d- weeks, as it is for any kid when they move to a new a new school, you got to make new friends. Yeah, yeah. I'll never, I'm still friends. Uh, I haven't talked to him now in years. Uh, Dan Gamaleri is his name, and I'll never forget Dan. Dan, uh, when I was in junior high. Uh, middle school as they called it in indiana mm-hmm. at that time mm-hmm. i was walking home and he was walking in back of me and i had been in two classes that he had been and i hear this guy go hey kid <laughs> and i turned around and it was dan and he says wait up he came up and started talking to me there you go and there we be- go. we became hard and fast friends both yeah. of us huge baseball players and we just uh i, I lost track of him here just in the last five or eight years yeah yeah well you know it's one of the great things about social media i bet if you go looking you can find it i've looked Have you? dan probably would be a luddite ah, well, so there i'm you not go. there you go there you <laughs> expect, go i'm not expecting i know he still lives in the same he lives yeah. on old day drive i know where he lives if i remember up in that area again i will stop by his house yeah and well, knock my, on the door uh, I, I understand that my my social media footprint tends to be very, very small. No, uh, mine, very, very small. you know, is not. So, yeah, well, um, but we have very different lifestyles, and we do very different things for a living, right? Um, because of the nature of what I do for a living, I tend to keep my, my social footprint pretty small. Um, you know, I've talked before about how the fact that I, I have to keep my professional life and my personal life very separate things uh because of the nature of the people i deal with in my professional life so um you know back when i was having to report on russian mafia dudes uh to the fbi oh, on routine yeah, basis, the that. last thing i want is my that that be able that, to find you and your family yeah yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. that's really not really not something you want so i i I have always kind of been in the position where I keep my social uh, media footprint pretty small. And my, mo- and my mother, my wife, uh, gets upset with me because I'll post some things. I very seldom post anything. Uh, once in a while, I will for my grandson. Yeah. You know, a birthday or something like that. But very seldom do you see my kids. Yeah. They, you know, they've asked dad. You know, you got people, I get some hate mail. A lot of people probably wonder about that. Yes, I do get hate mail. Yeah. A lot. That happens. A lot of people, uh, and, still, and it's not so. just from the left. All right. Yeah. It's from people on the right too, because yeah. they don't think that I'm right enough, right enough. for them. Yep. Yep. And I don't know how much further right I got. I consider myself Hagar the Barbarian half the time. <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I'm, I've got my leather clothes on and I'm got a, a big old turkey drumstick that I'm eating. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. Um, it is amazing to me that we have become so divisive. Um, we become tribal, right? Politicians have done such a good job of dividing us that it doesn't matter 
if if you're seriously on the far right, then you're way too far to the right for the others on the right. And if you're not seriously the right, then you're not far enough. And God forbid you're on the left, because then you're just insane, right? So but the politicians, and I really blame that on politicians, have done such a good job of pushing us into tiny little boxes that we will never get unified again unless we decide to stop listening to politicians and start listening to God. Well, man, I would agree with that, but I think a lot of it has to do with social media. Yeah. I no really, doubt. really do. it, And, uh, you know, there have been a lot of people who have written a lot of different books before this really happened. They, they could see it coming that we're going to become a very tribal nation yep. where the only people that we listen to are the people that we agree with. And and that is a and that's where the Rogan thing comes from. That's where a lot of these people that don't want don't believe in freedom of speech come from. Yep. Yep. It's because they only want to hear what they believe. Yeah. At what point do we become a country where it is a right to not be offended? I don't think there is. I, I just don't think that that happens. Yeah. I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to read you. But you've got so everything people, in the world to say what you want to say. So many people out there who say, you don't have the right to offend me. That's right. And I'm Absolutely. sorry. But, All right, uh, Billy. Thanks for coming in. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. We're out of time. Always All right, tomorrow, Ken Yang will be here. The congressman will be here. That's on the next Dave Ellswick Show. Amazing grace.